0: Hi! Welcome to Fed Talks. I'm EJ. I'm your host. This is the podcast that I still can't figure out how to get on iTunes, and I still don't have a theme song, and still kind of flying by the seat of my pants. But uh, that book I ordered about how to do a good podcast is coming out this month, so hopefully you've only got an episode or two of me floundering before I'm all professional and good at this. But this one's gonna be a mess. Uh, I'm sorry I missed last week. Uh, My internet was out for about five days, which meant I couldn't post, and I was feeling kind of sad over the weekend, so I didn't record. Uh, I mean, not so sad that I wouldn't have recorded had I been able to post, but it was like uh, it wasn't worth recording and then trying to go find some place where I could bum their internet. It is a whole thing, but I'm back. I hope you had a good New Year's. Uh, mine was uneventful, but I suspect that was probably the case for a lot of people who are being smart and not going to New Year's parties. Um, it was nice to not have to make an excuse to leave before midnight. So this was kind of a, you know, I think I watched BattleBots. No, BattleBots wasn't even on last week. Boy, I, it has been eight days and I do not remember what I did for New Year's Eve. Um... Boy, I got nothing. Wow. Uh, the point is I'm back. I apologize. It was very hard to not have internet. I had to uh, go to, sit outside of Panera Bread every day so I could download podcasts. And that's obviously a lot nicer when there's not a plague because then you can go in and have a bagel and just download your podcasts. On Panera's got fast Wi-Fi, you guys. I just learned this week that they are the the largest provider of Wi-Fi of free Wi-Fi in America, which is insane. But chances are if you what do I mean, chances are, I know this is a fact. If you need some good Wi-Fi, hit the Panera, because theirs is fast. Um, I've gone there to download Switch games. <laughs> I am I'm a Panera hobo. Uh but I'm back. I had about a week when I I'm I'm kind of moving to all streaming for TV watching, so I couldn't watch anything. Uh so that was I mean, I have DVDs and I still have my DVR with some things on it so I could watch I could watch Perry Mason again. Um but you know, there's not much to do in this day and age when your internet's out especially in our current times uh, and especially with my current level of popularity there's you know you start thinking about going to bed at about eight thirty, and i have had insomnia honestly off and on for about nine ten months now and it comes and goes and sister it's been coming uh and i decided to kind of lean into it and make a make a game of it and see how how long i could stay awake Take that brain. You're not going to win this round. And so I'm slowly going crazy. So that's, that's working out great. Um, hopefully I will sleep tonight now that there's no pressure because I don't have to be up for work in the morning. Uh, so that'll be fun. What is this introduction even? I haven't done this in... I, I took a week off and I don't remember how to do anything. Um, I, I don't even have my ghost blanket on me. I'm recording this out in the open. Uh, so if, I guess if you hear a lot of ambient sound, it means Sam was right about everything and I screwed up. Oh God, I'm a nightmare. Um, boy, I'm curious, but also I will probably not listen back to this to judge the sound quality because I've learned if I listen back to anything I've recorded, I will decide that it's bad and re-record it. Uh, this is the eighth episode. There are now three episodes that I have recorded a second time and banished the first attempt into the sarlacc pit as it were so if you've been listening you, you're probably baffled to to imagine that some of those episodes were second takes just just imagine what the first one sounded like you must be saying to yourself sorry when I get better at podcasting, I'll cut out pauses like that. Um, And this is, you know what? I took a week off. This is the first one of the new year. Let's maybe, let's maybe cut me, maybe I cut myself some slack and we, we ease into this the best way we can. Uh, I feel like I'm several minutes into this and have not had any jokes yet. So now I just feel bad. So in an attempt to be more cross promotional, uh, I am on my website spunkybean.com which is as we will cover over the course of the episode either in an ad or plugs at the end is the, the second most important website for you to go to on the internet this week at some point I've been doing my best TV shows of 2020 which is a thing I always do And I usually do a lot more year end stuff but between just the way this year was weird and my lack of energy uh, and the fact that honestly it was entertainment was a little more sparse this year so I'm not doing a lot of the a lot of the stuff I usually do but I, I still did my best ofs and I didn't have internet so I couldn't post my top 10 and now I do so those will go up shortly maybe by the time you're listening to this hopefully you're not listening to this for a few days after I record it uh, and you're not nobody's gonna listen on the weekend you're gonna listen on a Monday like a normal person but I thought I would... And I don't necessarily want to go over my top 10 here, but uh, uh, one of them obviously was Perry Mason, which, as I have referenced on several episodes, I watched more than 40 times over the summer when I couldn't sleep at all. And all I could do was watch Perry Mason. Um, Another one of my top shows was uh, Joe Parra Talks With You, which would be maybe a good thing to talk about at length in a different episode when I've collected my thoughts and the only thing I want to say about that is I, I wrote specifically about uh, the episode where Joe tries to write his his grandmother's obituary, which is absolutely heartbreaking and sort of nailed this, what I think of as a very Midwestern kind of grief uh, that was very identifiable. And uh, a lot of my, my grandfather died in, wow, I want to say 2015. It seems... More recent than that, like it seems like it should be 2016, but he did not live to see the Trump presidency. Um, which is this is gonna sound terrible, is at least I never have to know how he would have taken that as a very old man. Um, yeah, I think it was 2015. The <laughs> this is really bad, you guys. I'll be able to track it because I remember Oh, God, I'm terrible. I remember what Doctor Who episode was on the next day because I was trying to write his eulogy. and uh, this was in the in a period where uh, Doctor. Who was on Saturday and I'd watch Doctor Who. It would get done at ten and I'd go to the sports bar by my house uh, because they would start having half price food specials at ten o'clock on weekends. So it was always kind of a a nice night but I I remember in particular that night I tried to stick to my routine because I'm a robot boy and I have to but uh and I you know I went there every week for a while people there kind of knew me so uh this particular day which now must have been in 2016 now as I'm running through a list of when Doctor Who episodes aired uh or 2015 sorry I can't get this right uh, somebody, one of the, the wait people, not even my, not even my waitress came to the, came to my table and asked if everything was okay, which I sort of took in the sense of, of, uh, you know, do you need any, any, a refill or Parmesan or something like that? And I said, no, no. I I mean, I said, yeah, no, it's fine. And she said, are you, are you sure? And I was wondering like if there was something wrong and they were waiting to see if I noticed it. And I'm like I. I think so. I'm not sure what you want. And she said, well, people people noticed you were crying. (laughs) And and we needed to check on you. (laughs) And that's not actually funny, but it also sorta is. Like now it is. It wasn't then. I was but uh, back to my original point about the the Joe Para eulogy episode was it was super identifiable because part of this, the eulogy he writes is so long that they can't run it in the paper without cutting out all the other sections. And uh, in my own experience, when I was not so much when I was writing, but I was actually delivering the eulogy. And for context, like all of my uncles are ministers and I still did the eulogy for my grandfather. Which I'm I'm glad I did, but at the time it was very stressful, and also uh, at the time I was doing more stand-up, and it was very hard to stand in front of people with a microphone and not fall into that rhythm, which would be would have been completely inappropriate. But uh, I I, I had everything written down, and towards the end I just went off script, and I couldn't stop talking about like memories, and there's just sort of this idea that like if. You just, you just want to share everything when you, when you've lost somebody is, uh, I think what both I and the fictional version of the person named Joe Para were going through. And, uh, so I identified with that episode very, very hard. So I wrote something about it. I wrote a whole article about it on spunkybean.com and, uh, the, the father of the writer of the episode, uh, Joe Firestone, who also plays Sarah on the show, uh, he he found it and reached out to me on twitter to thank me for it and we had i had this very nice conversation with joe firestone's dad and it was it was very sweet and it's i i I told some of my friends at the time but it's kind of was like a little thing for me because it it wasn't even funny it was just a very this very sweet man was being nice to me and thanking me for saying nice things about something his daughter wrote uh so that was that was lovely, frankly. And, uh, one other show in my top 10, I want to, I want to talk about here because I I don't really have another good venue to tell this story. So, uh, uh, as I mentioned, probably incessantly, I'm, I'm trying to be a writer. Uh, I'm currently working on writing scripts for a uh, scripted sci-fi comedy podcast that uh, we will be able to start recording when people can be in the same room uh, and it's possible the uh, cover art for it will eventually be, well definitely eventually, but sh- possibly before the show is released be on a, a tease by Summer shirt, even though it would not sell very well since nobody knows what it is but the art on it is the art is very good Uh when, when that's available and I can talk more about the show, I really want to sort of explain how the the cover art was so good that it changed the way I, I wrote. Uh, I basically threw out the original second episode and it changed the way I wrote things going forward. But we'll talk about that later, um, probably in some sort of ad break when I want to take a drink. But my point is I've been trying to you know, I'm. I just, I just want to be a writer. I want to sell a TV show. I want to, I want to make a TV show. I have all these, I have all these pilot scripts. Um, and yes, I'm old and I live in the Midwest and it will not happen. But I'm going to keep trying because what else are you going to do? But uh, I've been fascinated with the idea of grown-up boy detectives for years. Um, there was, I, I was took. Uh, uh, took part in a script writing contest in like 2009 I want to say yeah it must have been like 2009 because uh, I was in Arizona when I started writing it and I don't think I've been to Arizona since 2009 2010 so uh, but I, I got an honorable mention which meant nothing but I felt proud of myself but it was my I wrote a pilot script about grown up boy detectives and the way I wrote it at the time, that first version, like there was, there was a lot of pathos in it. Like the, the one of them had sort of peaked as a, as a child detective and his life had never really been good again. And he was kind of borderline suicidal. And that's when he started trying to be a man detective. And then like his two friends who had moved on with their lives since they were nine. And they solved the case of the missing cash box at the school car wash. Uh, We sort of got back into it just to sort of keep him safe and keep an eye on their friend. And that was the first version. And then, but there, you know, there were some heavy drama elements and I learned I really can't write drama in any way. So I wanted to find a way to make it funnier. And uh, it was something that was in my back pocket for years. And then uh, Donald Glover's uh, comedy group, Derek Comedy, was that what they called themselves? Uh, They did that movie Mystery Team, which is about, which was about grown up boy detectives, except they were still like, it was silly and they were still emotionally children. So I could, it was not really the same, same, uh, same ground I was treading. So I, after a couple of years, I felt like, okay, this is still something that can be done. And I've been working on it. I've written a bunch of, of pilot scripts that have been good enough to show to people. And I could not crack this. And I finally made it work when in my head, I, I I figured there had to be two of them. And they went back to being uh, detectives because they were bored. I saw those basically bored house husbands whose wives were way more successful than they were. Uh, one of their wives wrote a Marvel movie in, the sc- in my script, which uh, I, I still think that's kind of a funny idea. But then I decided... To really make it work, I was going to base the two main characters on Paul F. Tompkins and John Hodgman, who are two of my favorite comedians, and I listen to them on various podcasts all the time, and I sort of have their their voices really clearly in my head, and it seemed fun to write for them, and then if I named the characters John and Paul, maybe it gave me an in on uh, on, on getting the scripts to them, sort of like how Brooklyn Nine-Nine, they named Sergeant Terry... That before they cast Terry Crews, and then they went to him and said, "Hey, we named this character after you. You might want to do it." And obviously, that was a different thing because that was a successful television producer who had made multiple shows by that point, as opposed to some some douche in the Midwest. But that was that was still my shot, and I finally I wrote the script, and I was so happy with it. And it was weird, and I I it just really came together for me, and I was so happy with it, and I was ready to to send it. To my, I have a producer friend who I kind of run everything past, even before I show my agent, because uh, she's very good at identifying what, how to make things better, or what I need to focus on. And I don't know if I should say her. This is the second time in a row. I haven't known if I should say somebody's name, because she's she is a professional, but she's doing this for me in a uh, in a purely personal capacity, kind of separate from her job. And I, I don't want to start trouble. So I was I was so thrilled with this. I'm like, this is great. I finally got this, and uh, <laughs> a friend of my my friend Larry came up with the title. It's called Port Manteau. It's <laughs> it was going to be set on, on the the Atlantic coast on one of those uh, like Cape Cod type towns, um, and that was a funny name. And it's great. Okay, I'm so happy with this. I finally got this monkey off my back and wrote this script, and then two days after I finished it, uh, uh, John Hodgman announced his new project that had been, they'd rec- it's an animated series that had been recorded like two years earlier. And in it, he plays a grown-up boy detective. <laughs> <laughs> and it is just a, like, not even that there was a grown-up boy detective thing, but that it had, <laughs> It's made by the guy I based the main character on, which is just the the wildest coincidence. And also pretty much made it unusable. And uh John Hodgman's version was called Dicktown, which turned out very funny. And uh it had a very different approach where he was he was literally grown up Encyclopedia Brown, but he was also still solving he also still solves crimes for children. <laughs> as a 47 year old man. Uh, and it was very funny and, you know, obviously just a complete crazy coincidence, but I have never worked so hard at something that I had to completely throw out. Uh, so that is my tale of trauma with involving Dicktown slash Portmanteau. Although Sam thinks I can tweak it so that it's about, uh, I believe he said dad's in a blues cover band who want to start a detective agency. And that sounds like something very specific to his experience. But he thinks it's salvageable if I lose the grown-up boy detective angle and maybe not base the character on John Hodgman. Sam's advice on that was to write that character as me because I'm just sadder John Hodgman. (laughs) Uh, This still makes me funny to think about it. It's both a devastating burn and also accurate. Uh, I'm going to luxuriate in that for a bit and take a drink, and I'll be back with a word from our sponsor. Who do you think it'll be? Hi, this is an ad. I realize there is nothing audible to indicate that we've switched from regular show to ad. I have no musical sting. I have no transitional effect. I don't even have a change in my voice. Uh, I just hit pause and have a drink, and then I unpause. That's a peek behind the curtain. Maybe when I get in that podcast book, I'll figure out how to do this well. But uh, speaking of people doing things well, yes, that was a segue. Thank you very much. That comes from my 10 years of failing at stand-up comedy. Uh, our our consistent, wonderful sponsor, TeaseBySummer.com. Uh, first off teesbysummer.com. the website now redirects to the etsy store which is where i've been telling you to go anyway now you don't have to look anything up you don't have to do a separate search you just boom teesbysummer.com. ding there you are uh and since last time last time we talked uh there's some new designs up there uh specifically a couple a couple more based on i think you should leave and i think it's okay to say this because i think uh I think she put it on the teas by summer social media. She's going to try to do a shirt for every sketch from season one of "I Think You Should Leave," which is the sort of of like grand uh, uh, project that I really, I really enjoy. Anytime somebody wants to do everything, I'm like, all right, bring it on. You want to recap every episode of a show that ran 100 plus episodes? All right, I'm in. Liz, go for it, brother. But yeah, so this will be a shirt for every sketch. And obviously, I am very excited for the hot dog car already. Um, or, God, I can't even imagine what the design would be for the Tim Heidecker Colgate Comedy Hour guy sketch. But I know I'll buy that one. So there, there's a couple new ones, and uh, they look great. There's there's a, a whoopee cushion from—you either know the show or you don't. It's not like I'm going to explain the sketch to you. And there's the the door from the, the first sketch in the first episode. And uh, I just want to say this about the—I've gotten several shirts from the, the Etsy store now, and the quality— the shirt quality is much better than uh, like the T Spring or T Public stuff. Those shirts are they can be a little cruddy. These are great. They look amazing. They ship very fast. Uh, and what I think is cool, and I'm just going to be complimentary for a minute, if that's okay. Uh, 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 summer, the the eponymous summer of teas by Summer, is a very talented artist, and some of her stuff is very, very... Uh, there's some really detailed stuff. Uh, I don't think... It's not on the Etsy store, but a, one she did last year, a, a Revolution shirt, is really intricately drawn. There's a, there's a crowd, and it's just... And, and the way it reproduced, like, on fabric is kind of amazing. And uh, the the That's a Chunky shirt has this weird... I think I realized I like that one so much. As I've said before, it's my favorite shirt. Uh, because the the style sort of reminds me of my favorite comic artist, uh, Keith Giffen. Although what he does is, when he, he kind of uses his style in the service of like this real off-putting ugliness, he's got multiple styles. Look, we'll talk about Keith Giffen some other time. This is not an ad for Keith Giffen. But this, the That's a Chunky shirt sort of looks like like an appealing version of his, of when he does kind of a, a an abstract style uh, that he used for like Trencher and Lobo. I'm talking a lot about Keith Giffen in this ad. Uh, but it really appeals. In fact, it really specifically looks to me like the one time uh, uh, Keith Giffen inked Bill Sienkweiss on a, Bill Sienkiewicz. I've, I know how to pronounce his name. I mispronounced it. Uh, Giffen uh, inked Sienkiewicz on a, a Mad Hatter one shot. Which is maybe the dorkiest sentence I've ever said, and I'm leaving it in because that's how I talk. Uh, but so that's super appealing. But uh, some of these new shirts are—I don't want to say simple, but they're sort of gra- there's like a graphical element, you know, the door and the whoopee cushion. And when you do that, it's got to look good and interesting because a door in itself is not going to grab your attention, and they really do look good. Like, I'm going to say this and eventually, and, and, you know, Teased by Summer, we'll hear this. That's her name, full name is Teased by Summer. Uh, we'll hear this and then I'll feel all embarrassed I was this complimentary, but it's also a very good, like, it has a very good sense of graphic design. And like, if the one graphic element on a uh, uh, shirt is going to be a door, it's going to be a good looking sort of sort of interesting door, like an interesting door to look at. I wish I knew more about art so I could explain it better. But the fact is, there's a lot of awesome stuff going up there. Uh, Eventually, possibly the design for my upcoming scripted podcast, which when that is available on a shirt, I will probably openly weep because it'll feel like I've achieved something. But don't worry about that now. Worry about the stuff that's currently up on teasedbysummer.com. If you if you don't have money right now, you know what? Just go to the store. Check things out. Uh, market is a favorite. That helps with the algorithm. Then come back and buy something. And then I want you to tell me that you bought something. And then, I don't know, we'll be better friends. We'll definitely be better friends. That's how we're going to bond, right? All right. That was the ad, teasebysummer.com. You can't go wrong. And we're back. Part of the problem of of launching this podcast when I did uh, and having the format of me just saying stuff, part of the problem of that is it's coming at a time when I don't do anything because everything is closed and I go to work and go home. And if I'm going to start telling stories from work, you might as well just unsubscribe now because it will be a bummer. Uh, But this week, Wednesday... I came home and I got, I got two packages and they were both, uh, slightly tardy Christmas presents and they were both baffling. So one thing I got was a, it was a mug and you can sort of tell when somebody sends you a mug because it's that, it's that, 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 uh, like square with the rounded corner styrofoam container. You've seen it. You know, if that package shows up on your doorstep, you, you got a mug, man. And it was a Better Call Saul mug, which is awesome. My favorite show, Better Call Saul. Uh, favorite current show. Let's let's get it straight. Uh, probably top ten all time, maybe? I we'll work this out later. But uh and what it is, and it's really simple and really neat looking, is the uh, remember the end of, I think it was season two when Mike was gonna, gonna take out Salamanca. And he's watching him through the, the sniper site when he's in the little shack. And all of a sudden, uh, uh, Mike's horn starts blaring. And that spooks them. And he comes back to see what's going on. And he sees somebody's messed with his car. And they just put a note under the windshield wiper. That's a handwritten note that just said, don't. And that note is what's on the mug. But there's no identifying information where it might have come from. And it seems menacing when you just... <laughs> Even without the context, just seeing that don't is sort of, uh, it's, I don't know what, what, uh, yeah, it was, it made me afraid. Uh, that was for my friends, Brad and Becky, who listened to this podcast. Hi, Brad and Becky. I want to have Brad on as a guest sometime because, uh, uh, his vibe with me is real interesting because I think he disapproves of me. Like we're friends and he's a very nice man. But he can sort of turn on this thing where where he's got a Ron Swanson energy to him is I think the best way to say it. And I feel like if I were to put him on microphone, he would not ha- he would not be able to uh, stop himself from from making me feel bad. And I think that would be kind of fun. <laughs> also, one year we went to a Halloween party. And uh, he was Ron Swanson, and I was Kenny Powers from Eastbound and Down. And they were both good costumes, and it was very fun. And I have so many pictures of me and Brad just hanging around. It's just Kenny Powers and Ron Swanson. And somebody actually put a picture of us on a mug. And, man, people are always making mugs for me. And so it's weird that I have a mug with my own picture on it, but also I'm in costume, so I guess it's okay. But uh yeah, Brad's on my short list of people I want to have on the show. Uh Other people, you know what? Here's some other people I've either I've talked to about being on the show or I just want to have on the show is uh obviously my friend and sponsor Summer. And I say sponsor because uh she of of the Tease by Summer ads, not because I'm in Alcoholics Anonymous and I have to call her when I'm relapsing. Um you know, cuz she's She's my friend, and she's super funny, and we can talk about shorts or whatever. Um, also, there's we've talked about doing a podcast, so it would be good practice. Uh, and my friend Sam, who uh, is doing a lot of the audio work for my other podcast, and I've been doing comedy and improv with for way more years than is okay, given my lack of success, um, and I haven't really talked to him in months, and that would be rad. Uh, my, my friend Rachel actually pitched me a segment, so she's going to be on real soon because she had an idea, and I'm like, yes, fill some time. This is good. Um, and uh, I have a Twitter friend named Haley who likes the same shows I do, and uh, I, think, I think I just want to talk about The Americans and The Leftovers with her because those are sort of our two favorite dramas. And uh, I think they're both in contention for Best Finale Ever. And that'd be a good conversation to have. Um, there's probably other people. There's a, There are other people. I just haven't mentioned it to anybody. I haven't mentioned it to Sam or Brad either. So they're hearing it now. Um, and I guarantee Brad will tell me no. Because that's our vibe, man. But anyway, that was my don't mug. The other mysterious gift. And I knew this was for my sister. Because she told me uh, my Christmas present was late and it was coming. So... Uh, that was that part was not mysterious, but it's this fabric print that's sort of stretched over a frame, and it's got vertical bands of color, uh, seemingly with no pattern, uh, no consistency to their their thickness or gradation or anything. And I've actually seen these advertised online, so I knew what it was. It's a it's a color representation of a movie like it's every the dominant color of every frame of the movie makes up this this design and they're they're really cool looking and i was very excited to have this but nowhere in the packaging does it tell you what movie it is so i just have this colorful colorful print that comes from something and before i could get in touch with her I had managed to figure out it was a Marvel movie because there's a kind of a thick band of red at the beginning. And that would be their, that would be the, uh, like the Marvel title card where it because that's, that's predominantly red. And then just from the kind of the palette and the way the colors go wild near the end, I had sort of narrowed it down to uh, uh, Endgame or Thor Ragnarok, figuring those were either the... Uh, that was either the scene where everybody comes back, back to life and joins the fight through the Doctor Strange holes or uh, uh, Thor and Hulk fighting on the Rainbow Bridge um, with all the Led Zeppelin stuff, which the Led Zeppelin stuff obviously not be represented on the color gradation, but you, you know what I mean. And yes, it turns out it was Thor Ragnarok, the most fun Marvel movie. Uh, my sister is very, she's very good at buying gifts. Uh, it's, it's very cool. And I appreciate that I'm such a dork that I was able to narrow it to the <laughs> two movies just by seeing the color breakdown. Uh, that is not a skill I thought I had. And it's one that will never come in handy again. Um, I don't know if my sister even knows I have a podcast, so she probably will not listen to this, but thanks Jane. She's nice. She's a good sister. I have another sister who's not a good sister, but I haven't seen her in 20-some years, and I'm not going to talk about that. Um, Not even for sweeps. I'm never talking about it. Uh, but, yeah, I got a good sister, and that's Jane. And she follows me on social... She follows me on social media. That's, like, the least a sibling can do. I guess it's more than I do for some siblings, so maybe I should shut up. Uh, but that, that was rad, and... I'm a big old dork who knows the color scheme of Ragnarok. And I will admit that's partly because uh, one of my, my pandemic TV watching quirks is that I watch Thor Ragnarok a lot. Because every time I go on Disney Plus to see something, it's always like, yeah, but Thor Ragnarok is there. I'm going to have more fun watching that. That one's real good, you guys. I don't know if you've watched it yet, but it's it's dope. Uh, and it's it, It's it's partly based On on my second Favorite Marvel Comics run Of all time Which uh, was Walt Simonson did Thor And he did all the You know The Ragnarok stuff Hulk wasn't part of it It sort of combines Two different series But uh, And God That bit with uh, where, where Carl Urban From The Boys Another one of my Top 10 TV shows Of the year Is uh, Plays Scourge The Executioner And He's got a. He goes from henchman to to like saving everybody when he when he fights everybody off on the bridge, so so Thor can get everybody to safety, and he gives his life. And that's that's directly based on my my favorite Marvel comic of all time. And man, I love Ragnarok so much, you guys. I'm not even doing jokes right now. I'm just legitimately appreciating a. Giant hit mainstream movie that that I enjoy a lot. Uh, my tastes are my tastes are simple. I'm a simple man. I like things that are big and colorful and fun, and uh, I like things that remind me of the comic book that made me cry when I was 12 years old. When Scourge the Executioner falls, saving everybody. Uh, as the as the comic put it, I believe, in the final page. Uh, as they, they show his fight, uh, they they sing no songs in hell, nor do they celebrate heroes, for silent is that dismal realm and cheerless. But, but the story of the of the Gallerbrew and the god who defended it whispers across the nine worlds. And when a new arrival asks about the one to whom even hell bows her head, the answer is the same. He stood alone at Gallerbrew, and that answer is enough. Guys, I think I nailed that. From downtown, top of my head, I know that. Man, that feels good. I haven't gone crazy yet. I still remember Thor narration from when I was 12. Uh, and that that part wasn't in the movie, so I haven't even recently refreshed it. Man. You know, I'm feeling kind of proud of myself. I feel like I have accomplished something by remembering. Uh, which is appropriate, given how Scourge is remembered throughout all of Asgard. Uh, You know what? This has maybe been my dorkiest episode yet, which, considering this is me and the usual ground I run in, is a lot. Uh, I'm sorry, this was kind of sloppy. I really did not have anything prepared. Not that I ever have anything prepared, but I I leave notes on my phone of four or five things I can get to. And they look like the rantings of an insane person, because it's just a series of unconnected words that theoretically theoretically will make me remember what I want to talk about and rarely do, which is why I pause so frequently trying to figure out why I wrote Goose. Uh, Still don't know something about Goose. Well, I guess that's that's it for this week. Uh, That book is coming soon, so I'm going to get good at this eventually. Thanks for sticking it out. Uh, Go to spunkybean.com to check out I really haven't written much, but you will be able to see my top twenty TV shows of twenty twenty. Um, probably by Sunday, the the one through ten will be up. Um, and obviously, more importantly, go visit our our sponsor, uh, TeaseBySummer dot com. Buy something. Make you f- click the click the the click the heart to show it's a favorite store. Uh yes, you, you know what. Supported independent artist who's a nice person. Yeah, that's right. My friends. I'm just going to say my friend is a nice person. I'm out on a limb. Um, you can get in touch with me at at yahoo.com which again, I keep forgetting exists until I say the site, addre- uh, site address. I, it's email. I know what it is. Leave me alone. And I am once again... I briefly got back on Twitter. I don't think that's going to stick. But if you hit me, if you you, at EJ Fettis, I will at least read and respond to mentions. I'm just not checking my timeline. Uh, Although it was this week sort of went from horrifying to kind of fun because, you know, we had an insurrection. But then they also kicked Donald Trump off Twitter. And the guy who does Dilbert said it was the worst biggest mistake in American history because the guy who does Dilbert is insane I don't know if you've checked this guy out for real uh uh, Scott Adams because he he he's made his career making like the most bland sort of comic strip entertainment for people with bad jobs and it's just the most tepid Eh, poorly drawn, uh, oh, look, Dilbert put the copy paper in sideways sort of stuff. But then he gets online and he's like this weird, like, I don't know if you can call him alt-right. I think he just supports everything Trump does and says because he's a contrarian. And he, like, wants the mental challenge of of, oh, he didn't mean this, he meant this. But he's done that so long that he believes it and he says crazy things like, taking away Trump's Twitter is the biggest mistake in American history. Or uh, he talked when the Dilbert TV show was canceled, which you don't remember because this was not only was it more than 20 years ago, it was also the lowest rated show on television at the time. But he insisted on Twitter earlier this year or last that, uh, well, yeah, obviously last, it wasn't the last six days, that... Uh, it was canceled because of reverse racism. It was because he was white, and that's what the network exe- executives told him, was they couldn't cancel a black show, so they had to cancel his, because that's how decisions get made. They had to cancel a show. Uh, and he, just these, just like these toxic, poisonous takes on things. And you have to wonder if your fun uncle who posts, uh, you know, Dilbert strips in his cubicle knows about this weird alt-right creeper who's uh behind it it's weird man i don't even want to say check out his his twitter because it's bad uh he's just full of nothing but bad takes but sometimes it's fun when he uh he was the one who said that if biden won the won the election uh we would all be dead in six months and republicans would be hunted uh so you know he's calm and reasonable I feel like I might have said that last time. Have I talked about Scott Adams twice in eight episodes? God, I hope I haven't talked about Scott Adams twice in eight episodes. If I'm going to keep talking about newspaper comic strip stuff, it's probably better to talk about the uh, infamous 9-11 Beetle Bailey strip, which, boy, maybe I'll talk about that in the future because it is the tackiest thing ever. And also, I don't want to have uh, talk about 9-11 so quickly after the past episode where I talked about the Spider-Man 9-11. Man, this episode is, it's all, it's all 9-11 in comic books. I don't know what I'm doing here, guys. Um, But once I get that, once I get that book, this thing is going to be a smooth operation. Hope you guys had a good new year. Hope you're holding up in this crazy ass world and not facing spiking anxiety like some people, i.e. me, are dealing with, uh, but yeah, reach out. Send me an email. Tweet at me. Let me know what's going on. Let me know what I should talk about because I am not having new experiences right now, and uh, until Rachel's ready to bring her segment on the show, it's just going to be me rambling, and I know anybody who's listening to it figured I'd eventually get past that and come up with a theme or, or get good at it, and I have been refusing <sighs> One day I'll end a podcast without feeling like I have to apologize for it. Uh, you guys are great. Um, keep up the good work. I don't know what it is you do, but I bet you're good at it. So keep it up. I will talk to you next week. Uh, find me on the internet. Buy a shirt from Tees by Summer. Do all the stuff that helps helps your community. Uh, and I'm not even saying that last part is a joke. I mean, obviously, yes, talk to me, buy a t-shirt. But, Yes I don't know, man. Let's all just try to do a little bit of little bit of good and counteract like the massive massive crap. It's we're nice people. We gotta be able to do something. Sorry, I'm frustrated. I don't know what to do anymore, guys. We'll figure it out. Maybe by next week I'll have a solution. That seems unlikely. Now I've really should have ended this like eight minutes ago because I have just been rambling. So I'm gonna, this time I'm going to say goodbye and it's going to be for real. I'm going to say it and then stop recording and it's going to end. Goodbye.